So as I said before, don't worry, don't worry about noise. Uh, I'm pretty used to it. I'm married, and we have four children who are wonderful, but it is not quiet in our house, and we want this to be like family. We want this to be an opportunity to get around God's Word and thank God for what He's done in our lives. And so today, we're going to study just a little bit of His Word, the Bible. Thank you for choosing Church of the Valley to celebrate Christmas Eve with us today. This evening, we hope to point towards the reason for the season and the joy that can come from really knowing what Christmas is all about. See, the thing about Christmas is it isn't just about baby Jesus and the fact that the Savior came and was born and there were wise men and all of these pictures of things that we hear when we think of Christmas. Really what Christmas symbolizes is that God decided to take on flesh and live among us and live the life that we couldn't. But as I think about that, and if I'm going to be realistic, Christmas time brings up a lot of emotions, doesn't it? And so I'm going to go the optimistic route. I know this isn't true for all of us, but in theory, especially maybe when you're younger, Christmas is a lot of fun. Is Christmas fun for any of you? Okay, it's a couple of you. That's good. See, we get to enjoy some time off from work, right? I mean, I don't. I'm here. But, but no, that's not true. I'm going on vacation. But we usually get to have good food. Maybe we get to see family that we don't normally see. We get to open presents and probably... For most of us parents, we get to give presents, yay, get to sing Christmas songs starting before November, right? Amen? No? Okay. Get to watch Christmas movies. I think we're watching Elf tonight. And probably doing a lot of other traditions that this Christmas season brings on. But for all of the things that happen, I doubt you'd be surprised as you come to this church in Santa Clara on Christmas Eve who, to hear from a pastor who pastors a Christian church, that really the reason for the season is that Christ came to save his people. Jesus was born of a virgin and the Holy Spirit. And he came to do for mankind what none of us could do for ourselves. We couldn't work our way to God. God worked his way to us. We at Church of the Valley ascribe to the word of God as our ultimate authority. We believe the word of God. We believe that this is true. We believe it's to be read. We believe it's to be meditated upon, to be interpreted, to be obeyed and applied to our lives because we believe in this vision of we want to grow into the likeness of Jesus by obeying God at his word for the right reasons. So today we're going to read a few passages and we're going to read some passages that probably sound somewhat familiar to you regarding Christmas, but then I'm going to read another passage that has something to do with these two other passages that you maybe haven't heard around Christmas before. So I want to read the beginning of three of the four Gospels. The Gospels in the Bible, are it's the beginning of the New Testament. There's a guy named Matthew who's a tax collector, and Jesus told him to follow him, and he dropped everything he had, he went and followed Jesus. The next Gospel is known as Mark, who was a scribe. He would write down things that people said, and he would write down the law, and he, would, uh, he was a disciple of Peter, the Apostle. And then we have Luke, who was a doctor and was very specific about writing down things. And he interviewed a lot of people to write down what happened in Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And then we have the Apostle John, who calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. And so we're going to read three of those four today. 
So today we're going to read what is known as the Christmas story. So uh, if it'll be up on the screen, if you want to grab a Bible in front of you or you have a Bible app, feel free to go to it. But it's going to be Luke chapter 2, and I'm just going to read verses 4 through 14. And here's the thing. We really do believe that every time we open the Bible, God can change us. We believe that every time we open the Bible and we read it, we have the opportunity to know God more fully. But really, that's not from just reading it. It's from actually doing what it says. And so today, as I read this, I hope that you'd listen to this. And, and, and as you hear it read, think about what this has to do between, with you and God. So here's what it said in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 4. And this is regarding, uh, there was a decree that Caesar Augustus had just given where all of the people within Jerusalem and in that surrounding area had to go back to their hometowns to be part of a census. And so that's where we begin, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. See, Luke's account spoke of what was told to him, the facts of appearing of this Savior. This is what this talks about. It's about the first Noel, the Savior had been born, and these angels' appearances signified that this was a miracle from God, that God had taken on flesh and entered into his creation to save the people from their sin. So look at Matthew, the tax collector turned disciple of Jesus. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 24. He says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Matthew's account speaks to the realities and really the confusion and what could have been a scandal that a, pre a pregnant Mary could bring upon Joseph. 
and how God intervened so that Joseph would know that God was in, at work in this miracle like none other. We have two accounts of Jesus's earthly life, how Jesus was conceived and how his inception into this world took place. But I need you to know this. Jesus was not created, okay? He was not created, nor did he first exist when he was born to Mary and Joseph. We believe that Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, a carpenter's son, is God with skin. That's who Jesus is. He is God incarnate, living among his creation so that the angel, as the angel of the Lord stated in verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Christmas isn't about God existing, even though he does. It's not even about being born of a virgin, even though he was. But Christmas is about the inauguration of God taking on flesh, becoming man, living a life of perfection, not only doing nothing wrong, but doing everything right. Every moment of his earthly life and Jesus becoming the perfect sacrifice for the world's sins. He died in our place, yours and mine, by hanging on a cross. See, the cross was a death penalty reserved for the worst insurrectionists against the Roman Empire, the people that were trying to make a ruckus, and he hung on a cross between two thieves, and while people hurled insults at him, he asked God the Father to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. One of my favorite verses, and it makes it so clear, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The word of God says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for who? For us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might have right standing before a holy and perfect God. Not because of anything you or I do. I don't know about you, but I've sinned this week. And we have a God who loves us anyway. And he sent Jesus for us. And so we could have his life gifted to us because we're not perfect, but he is. The heart of the gospel, the reason Jesus came to live among his creation, the reason for this season, the reason for the Bible, the reason that you and I exist, even though we have all committed sin, we've all committed cosmic treason against a holy and perfect God, is because Jesus came to pay the price for our sin. Hallelujah. Even though we incurred the debt, he paid it. The reason Jesus came to earth was to substitute his life for ours by dying on a cross for our sin. Because that is our God. And our God, he extends grace, giving us what we do not deserve in the work and the person and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we may have life and we could have eternal life found in him alone. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking already. I'm like 10 minutes into this and you're going, Tim, that's great. But isn't that the Easter message? No, that's always the message. We always emphasize Jesus. It's all about him. The good news of the gospel isn't just that baby Jesus came, but that he lived the perfect life we couldn't, that he died the death we should have, that he physically rose from the dead, so that sin no longer had to have final say. But that God in his grace, he would have the final word which Jesus spoke on the cross when he said this in John 19.30. When he received a drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. See, Jesus died in our place so that we didn't have to die like he did. 
What the witnesses may have thought was an insurrectionist, someone who was causing a ruckus, getting what he deserved, was actually the God of the universe dying in the place of those who had sinned and would receive the gift of grace in the finished work of Jesus. So this Christmas season, I want, you to, I want to let you know of this simple point. This Christmas season, Jesus is the point. That's what this is about. But see, it's not just the season, it's the life that you live. Paul the Apostle, a man who was against Christianity, who ran into Jesus alive after he died, he wrote about this at what was known as somewhat of a city council meeting in Acts 17. And someone asked him about his beliefs, and here's what he said. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For, for in him we live and move and have our being. See, Jesus is the point of this life. So Paul speaks of this. He speaks of this God that is sovereign. He is over all creation. And he, Jesus came and he did all that he did so that you might reach out to him and find him. So we read two gospel accounts, two first couple of books of the, bio, of the New Testament. Now I want you to look at what John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, says at the beginning of his book about Jesus's birth. Here's what he says. Nothing about the birth. In John 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love it when the Bible makes me want to say amen. And the Apostle John writes to begin this letter, not about the birth of baby Jesus, uh, but about stating that Jesus has always been. But you say, what? He didn't say Jesus. See, John states that the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It is a Greek word that we know as logos, looks like logos. And it is this Greek word, and it's used here, and this word logos, it means truth. It means in the beginning was the truth, and the truth was with God, and the truth was God, and in him all things were made. By who? The truth. All things were made through, by, and for him, and in him there was life, and that life was a light that was offered to all of mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and that darkness, which symbolizes evil, would not overcome it. So verse 9 tells us, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh <laughs> and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son. Spoiler, he's talking about Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See, the true light, the light that's come to show everyone their need for God in the world had come into the world, and yet the world was made through this truth, this light known as Jesus. They still did not recognize him. He, the word, the truth, came into the world, but the world would not receive him. But those who did receive him, those who recognized him as the solution to their sin, as the God who created, loves, and can redeem us, those who believed that the word had come into the world to rescue them, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. Not by natural descent. Not based on your family tree. If you say you're a Christian because your parents are a Christian, you missed it. Not because of your parents' faith, not because someone, nor your human decision. Not based on you wanting God. See, the weird thing about us is we're all sinful. None of us want God. But when God intervenes, all of a sudden, he shows us how beautiful he is. So it's not, we can't take credit for our salvation. And it's not of someone else's will that forces you to change direction and repent. But we are born of God. As he gives life to you, he makes you a new creation. You're no longer who you once were. You were made a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you are made to be a child of God, a son or daughter of the King of Kings. The word has come to the world, and the word, the truth, wasn't just a book. He wasn't just some teachings. He wasn't just some good idea. The word is the good news personified, and verse 14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We have seen the goodness and the majesty of God on display in the person and the work of the Son, Jesus Christ, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See, grace is to get what you don't deserve. And everyone who hears the gospel is offered grace through an invitation to follow Jesus. That is what grace looks like. See, Jesus Christ is grace personified. And grace is to get what you don't deserve because even though all of us have sinned, all of us have, and none of us want God based on our own actions and nature, God intervenes. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He lived a perfect life and yet went to a sinner's execution. He hung on the cross to pay the price for mine and your sin. And after he gave up his own life on the cross, he laid in a grave for three days. Oh, but on that third day, on Sunday morning, in fact, he triumphantly, victoriously rose from the dead, defeating death. And then he showed himself to over 500 people all at one time and plenty of others over 40 days. And then he ascended to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father until the day he will come back one day to judge the living and the dead. Jesus did all of this to bring the kingdom of God here to earth and give us the opportunity to not just believe that a God exists, but to believe God at his word. And by faith to repent of our sins, to change direction, stop following the way that we live, but to change direction and follow and trust Jesus for the rest of our earthly lives for the glory of his name. See, I don't know how necessarily all of you feel about what I just said, 
I'm not sure if you understand. I'm not sure if you can understand unless God removes the veil. But I want to quote Jesus' own words to let you know how much Jesus is the point. In John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus answered his disciples and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Why? Because of Jesus. So if you know the Son, you know the Father. If you trust Jesus Christ with your life, you receive access to God the Father, not based on anything you've done, but based on Jesus' work of living the life you couldn't, dying the death you should have, and physically rising from the dead. (sighs) He verified and completed his absolute power over death so that you and I do not have to spend an eternity separated from God, but we can spend an eternity in this life and the next in personal and experiential relationship with God because he gifted us by grace a relationship with Jesus. So listen, there's no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. But through God personified in Jesus Christ. So what will you do this Christmas season? What will you do as we leave this place and have some really good snacks and then you go home and then you probably watch some Christmas movie and then you go to sleep and then Santa shows up-ish and then, and then the next morning happens. What will you do with what you've heard today? Will baby Jesus just be a cute symbol of what this season represents to you? Or will you turn from living your own life the way you want to live it and turn it over to Jesus Christ and put your identity and yield yourself to him and his lordship and jump fully into relationship with Christ by faith? Because here's what I can promise you. If you are willing to trust him and if you're willing to give and and jump fully into a relationship with him, I promise you, you'll never be the same. You'll never be alone. And you will be adopted by the God Most High into his family, transformed over time to look more like Jesus as you pursue and obey him.